Hi there, this is Karen. I am your host for the Woman Inspired Podcast. I'm so glad you could join me. Um, I start out each and every podcast with a quote, uh, and today's quote is by Linda Hogan. Ready? Some people look and see scars. I look and see wounds that have been healed. I absolutely love that quote. I try to give you something to make you think, something to inspire you or make you smile, um, and that goes along with the topic. And today's topic uh, has a little bit to do with uh, scars. But the title of this episode is, Jesus Didn't Die to Be Your Plastic Surgeon. <laughs> so I know it sounds crazy, but it's true. And I'll get more into that in a minute. But I'm going to repeat that quote for you. Ready? Some people look and see scars. I look and see wounds that have been healed. Oh, I absolutely love that. And if I didn't say it already, that's by Linda Hogan. And I think that's Hulk Hogan's wife, by the way. <laughs> I just love the quote. It means so much uh, when you can look at somebody and not just see everything that they've been through, but you can see how they've been healed. And it's just beautiful to me. So I've been digging into the whole topic of forgiveness lately. Not that I haven't thought about forgiveness before, you know, the whole idea of 70 times seven. That's the quote from the Bible where Jesus tells Peter that we're to forgive even more than seven times when Peter asks him about it. It's in Matthew 18. It says, Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me up to seven times? And Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but 70 times seven. Whew, there's a whole theological significance to those numbers in 70 and 7 and a deep meaning behind what Jesus says about forgiveness here. And I'll be posting a podcast in a few weeks about that very subject because I've been studying it quite a bit lately. So please tune in for that later. But since I've been digging into the whole 70 times 7 command, which is what it was, it got me to thinking about those hurts, those those deep wounds that happen in our lives you know, the ones we need to forgive others or ourselves for inflicting, the hurts eventually do heal, don't they? I mean, sure, they may sting for a long, long time, especially if we don't deal with them, especially if we don't give them over to Jesus and lay them at the foot of the cross, and especially if we refuse to forgive and let it go. But eventually, no matter our process, choosing to forgive or not, or forgive right now or later, moving on or not, or or even just ignoring it all, our emotional and mental wounds, like physical wounds, eventually heal up in some measure, and what's often left is some sort of scar. Uh, it's a scar that we would have to look at or feel the rest of our lives. Well, unless <laughs> unless you're really wealthy and you decide to get a plastic surgeon to help you cover up those physical scars, or or you pour money over your scarred personalities, your um, your emotional and and mental scars via I don't know high dollar clothes and shopping binges or mega drinking and eating binges or traveling the world and running and running and running around here and there, is if we can run out. Uh, or outrun our own scars. Yeah, that doesn't happen. Um, people do actually do that. And whether people have a lot of money or not, we all somewhere sometime have a tendency to try to run from our wounds and run away from the scars so we don't have to look at them or we try to cover them up pretending they don't exist. And let me tell you, it never, ever works. Yeah, in case you didn't know it, if you're doing it now, I'm telling you right now, it's not going to work. It never, ever works. You can't run far enough, fast enough, or hard enough to outrun yourself. 
because as the saying goes, everywhere you go, there you are. You can never cover up uh, something totally. You can cover up the hurt, old wounds and scars with, with tons of makeup, or you can try to drink them away or tattoo over them, but they're still there. And so are the memories of how they got there. At some point, you just want to take the time to, to, to dig in, or, or maybe you don't really want to, but sometime you need to. I'm encouraging you to, and we'll talk more about that in a minute, but to dig in deep and deal with them. And I dare say, embrace the scars, emotional and physical scars. So that's really what I'm talking about today. In case you already didn't know, I've only said it about 10 times already, but the inner scars are the ones that seem to affect us more greatly than the physical ones, right? The scars that come from perpetual grief or rejection or memories we can't erase and wrongs we cannot right. And and when we get wounded again, our brains immediately conjure up the other times we were wounded, either in a similar manner or just something that hurt that brings up other hurts. No matter how much we've forgiven or we've worked to keep those memories from eking into our everyday, they just do. It's like an onslaught of pictures from the past and, and from these feelings that we have that are associated with them are suddenly thrust in your face again, pricking at the scars till you feel like you might bleed again. It's like it brings the whole thing up over and over again, especially if we haven't dealt with it. And I recently had that happen. I was, it it sounds small, but I'm I'm just going to lay it out there for you. I was left out of something that meant a lot to me. Never in a million years did I think it would happen. I don't know about you, but Sometimes, if I don't watch myself, I can brood about the what ifs, hanging on to worry about what might happen and let those scenarios I play out in my head steal my joy of being in the present moment. I work really hard not to do it though because I used to be caught in this pit in this trap of doing it all the time and it created a whole lot of anxiety in my life when I was younger. So I've gotten in the habit of saying to myself, no scenarios. When my mind starts to run off in a negative direction, playing out some sort of what if worst case scenario over and over in my head, I have to tell myself, sometimes out loud, no scenarios. I have to just cut it off. You know what I mean? Like the, the redo of an argument that you play over and over and over in your head, but you, you tack on what you didn't say, but you really wanted to say, or the scenario that takes place in your head when you get to, to confront that person in high school who picked on you or stood you up for a date or confront a family member that uh, you never confronted about something before. And you play that scenario in your head over. Um, Or sometimes we play out a life tragedy in our head, kind of like we're going to prepare ourselves for the worst. So we figure out in our head how we would deal with this or this or this. And we go over and over in our head, like the loss of a loved one or, or an accident or a sickness comes over you or, or somebody says something negative to you. So those kinds of negative, what if worst case scenarios that we play over and over in our head are dangerous. They prick our subconscious to worry and cause us to borrow trouble, which we're not supposed to do. And they take up a lot of thinking time we could use for something much more positive and productive. So since I work really hard not to play out scenarios in my head, I wasn't anticipating this kind of heart to pop up out of the blue, but it did. There I was 
I was hurt, smack dab in the middle of the blue. (laughs) I felt rejected by people that I love. And that little incident brought up a whole host of memories for me of being rejected, of me being left out and not included by family and friends in certain things over the years. After this incident, for days, I felt like I had this heavy, wet, awful feeling blanket draped over me. It was just weighing me down. And this new hurt, this new rejection, which is what it was, never happened before. This new feeling of you're not welcome, Karen. You're not good enough. Um, You're only good enough when I need you, but you're not really wanted. It welled up inside of me and spilled over into everything I did for days. Have you ever been there? You get hurt and it reminds you of all of the other similar hurts you've had. Well, that's what this did. It welled up inside me and I let it take a hold of me for a few days. You know, I got this onslaught of pain thrown at me, but it wasn't even the present pain that was as bad um, as I was making it out to be. Yes, it hurt. It, It absolutely did. But it was all of the pain I attached to it that I brought up. It makes you look at every wound that's anywhere similar, even though it's healed over and turned into a scar. And it reminds you why it's there in the first place. It's like when I broke my leg last year, when the surgeon was going over my medical history before surgery to fix me up with some titanium, he asked me about my past injuries. What else had I wounded? Did I have other breaks? Did I have any other surgeries in my past? And I had no choice but to recant and remember in great detail the 23 other surgeries I've had. (laughs) So my healing journey, my journey towards developing more scars included remembering all the other times I'd been wounded and looking at those scars. It's a natural thing uh, that we do as humans. We have these phenomenal brains for a reason. We're supposed to remember the hurts and pains so we don't repeat them, right? So, so we stay armored up. So we don't take the same road again where we know the big dog is that ran after us last time. So we don't touch that same hot burner we touched earlier and get burned. So we remember not to get involved in a relationship too early on like we did before or put our trust in someone who has hurt us over and over and over again. That's partly why we can remember. That's partly why we have these phenomenal brains that we have. It seems like such a huge burden and a torturous thing though, doesn't it? That we would remember being wounded when we have a healer like Jesus. I mean, sometimes I think, oh Lord, is this really necessary? Well, I didn't just remember it recently. Like I said, I sat in it. I let it wrap around me like this heavy, wet blanket. I let the recent thoughts of rejection and hurt stick to the past memories, like taking a magnet and running it over a pile of paper clips. They all clung together and it made one big chaotic mess. That blanket of sadness and scars got really heavy. It was too heavy for me to carry. And then I listened to something and I was reminded in a sermon by Lisa Harper that it's not about me. It's not about if I'm included. It's not about if I'm liked, if I'm embraced, or if I'm made to feel a part of something I desire to feel a part of. I'm already a part of what matters most. Really, the only thing that does matter for eternity is I'm a part of the family of Jesus Christ. And I don't have to be included or liked here and right now to show someone else the love of Jesus Christ. So I shook off that blanket. I cast aside the, the, the magnet that was drawing up all of my 
paper clips with rejections and pains and scars on them together. And I decided to love the hell out of the person that hurt me. Um, and that's what I did. So during that time, even when I was the most hurt, even before I hadn't come through that full two or three days, the smile that came to my face was genuine. It was not a mask. It was not pretend because I was able to, like I am a lot of times, when I focus on Jesus, I was able to put Jesus in front and center and let this joy shine through me, even though my feelings were hurt, even though I'd just been wounded, even though uh, another scar was forming and it was trying to make me feel numb. Because you know where you have scars, you can't really feel a whole lot. It's deadened the feeling, the nerves there. And and that's what happens to us a lot of times emotionally too. But Jesus helped me work through it. And so after I got to this point of being able to let this little light shine, and I was able to let go of the desire I had to smack someone for the way I was hurt, I realized that another scar was added to my insides. I thought, why God? You know, why are we allowed to even have scars to remind us of what we worked so hard to let go of? And because these scars, they, these additional things, these things that we remember, what if they're our downfall? What if it's the thing that breaks the camel's back? What if that one more memory, that one more thing that brings up other memories, um, threatens to take us down? And yes, I get it in part, um, we have these so that we try not to set ourselves up in bad situations to get hurt again, because, you know, 50% of the time, the things are our own fault. We might've had some warning and we stepped into something anyhow. Um, but we aren't volunteers to be hurt. Contrary to the popular quote by Robert Anthony, which I just absolutely cannot stand by the way, not Robert Anthony. I have no idea who he is. Uh, I just know this is quoted often. He has this quote that says, there are no victims, only volunteers. Well, I hate to tell you this, Mr. Anthony, but most people who are victims are not volunteers. We don't sign up to purposefully be hurt. And many times it comes as a sad, sad surprise. So again, if those scars from those hurts might be the thing that takes us under, that we can't let go of, that keeps us from moving forward into the life that God has for us, Why does he let us keep them? That's a heavy question. I know. And I'll talk more about that. I'll talk. I'll talk. (laughs) I'll talk more about that in a second. I don't know where that came from. But anyway, but let me back up just a wee bit and talk about what a scar is. Okay. What is a scar? Karen, I'm so glad you asked. If you listen to my podcast for very long at all, um, here's a little uh, sidebar here, then you'll already know that I like to dig into the definition of words. We live in a society and culture um, that is wrought with major miscommunications because even if we're speaking the same language, many people don't know how the actual or don't know the actual meaning of words or the meaning of the words that they're even using. So many words are misused that what you think you might be conveying just might not be what you're conveying. I like to make sure you all know that I'm trying to express uh, a particular thing and that what I'm trying to express is purposeful instead of just assuming that you know it. I'm not talking down to anyone here, but we do live in a world with abbreviations, a lot of abbreviated spellings or verbal shorthand, if you will. And we live in a society that loves to shorten words, use uh, acronyms, half words, slang usage, um, and then assume that everyone should know what we mean anyhow. Um, guess what? We don't. 
I know I don't. (laughs) And depending on what part of the country or the world you're from, what you say might mean something completely different to someone else. And it could be simply that you tried to convey something that was totally innocuous, but it turned into something hurtful or harmful or even salacious. Um, you know, a few years ago when my grandmother fell, she was put in a rehab for a while to help with her healing. Well, she had a very young nurse's aide tending to her during part of her daytime routine. She liked the aide, but this young girl was very much uh, a millennial. She talked in abbreviated slang language, and she had a hard time communicating with several of her patients who were 80 and older, like my grandmother was. Um, my grandmother was 92. So one time I was there to spend time with my grandma and this nurse's aide came zipping into the room. She went through the room and she was filled with energy. She had a smile on her face. She opened the blinds. She called my grandma, honey. She told her she'd have her breakfast to her in a few minutes and she zipped right back out. But the whole time that she was in there in between saying these things to my grandmother, she was talking into her cell phone uh, on a Bluetooth. And she was talking about someone who was in a bad relationship who needed to get woke. Well, she just needs to get woke to what's going on. She's hurting because she's not woke yet. And after she left the room, my grandma said, I don't know what's going on in this place, but I hope I get to leave soon. And I said, well, I hope so too, grandma. And she said, I mean it. There's something going on here. That girl, that aide right there, she's always in here saying someone needs to get woke up. And I'm just wondering how many of her patients are unconscious or in a coma. I don't want to be the next one. (laughs) So she had no idea what this girl was talking about being woke. Well, it's, it's a fairly new term, at least in the last 10 years. So of course my, at the time, 92 year old grandmother had no idea what that meant. So And recently, uh, I saw a sign on the side of the road out near Hayfield. And if you know me, you've probably already heard this already because it just tickled the heck out of me. So the sign is supposed to read, Hey, rolls and squares for sale. But it actually read, Hey, H-E-Y, rows, R-O-W-S, and S-Q-U-E-R-S for sale. Rows and squares for sale. (laughs) And yes, I say it just could have been that the Chick-fil-A cows painted the big old sign, but I don't think that it was them. And had I not seen the big rolls of hay behind the sign and been familiar with cow and horse country, uh, that meaning would have totally been lost on me. So have you ever also been around anyone who wanted to know if they could ax you something? Um, the answer to that would be no. You cannot chop me to bits and pieces, but you can ask me something. For those of us who are kind of in this culture in this day and age, we get it. We hear it frequently now. I knew what you meant, but what about people who aren't familiar with it? They don't know when you're trying to say, can I ask you something? So in parts of the the United States also, I always found it funny, especially when I moved out to the South. People didn't say, please shut the lights off. They say, cut the lights off. I'm like, what? What? wait, let me go ask my friend if I can borrow her axe to cut them off for you because I had no idea what they're talking about. Cut the lights off. And of course, there are many words besides this that are spoken about and bandied about in our culture that are used incorrectly and don't mean what people think they mean. So this is a little bit of a pet peeve, if you will, of mine. 
the definition of words because I think in every single podcast and everything I've ever written, I talk about the definition of words and going back to the to the root word or the original word of something, whether it's biblical or not. Well, there's a word that is used a lot in the media these days and it's called, uh, or the, the word is factoid. Okay, this drives me crazy because it's used by all of these uh, media sources as if someone is saying, um, we're factoid, we have a little factoid for you, like, hey, let me give you a little fact about this or that, like, it's a little mini fact, well, that's not what factoid means, a factoid is not a mini, small, little piece of information, a factoid is actually a false fact or a falsehood, and so, Every time I hear someone say factoid, it just, it's one of those little things that just drives me crazy. So one of the other things that I think is um, funny about words, it's one of the funniest things I've heard in a long time in church is when the choir was singing, all hail the power of Jesus name. Now this is a beautiful hymn and I love it. And it's been around since 1779. And the very opening lyrics for this hymn are all hail the power of Jesus name. Let angels prostrate fall. Let angels prostrate fall. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. And if you'll notice, you can thank me now. I did not sing it for you. <laughs> but those are the words. And the meaning of the lyric is deep. It's beautiful. Uh, that all will hail the power of Jesus. Even his angels. And they'll fall face down, which is prostrate. And crown him Lord of all. Well, sure enough, loud as can be, several different people around me on this particular Sunday singing this song did not sing those lyrics. Instead, uh, instead they sang, let angels prostate fall. Now, <laughs> angels prostate falling is completely different than angels prostrate fall. It has a whole different meaning. So it did change the song. It wasn't nearly as uh, beautiful that way. Anyhow, I got way sidetracked there. Um <laughs> Not because I mix up prostrate and prostate, but because I really want to make sure I convey to you what God has put on my heart in the best way I know how. That's why I like to look up the definition of words and make sure that you understand where I'm coming from. Okay, ready? So what is the definition of a scar? We're back to scars. Okay, so a scar. And it is a mark remaining is on the skin after injured tissue has healed. It is also a mark left where something was previously attached. And I'm going to interrupt Merriam-Webster here and rephrase this for you for emphasis. Ready? It is a mark left where someone was previously attached. Let's think about that a second. It's also a lasting moral or emotional injury. And when you use it as a verb or in an action, it means to do lasting injury to someone or something. So, yes, I'm thinking about scars. And in thinking about them, I was thinking about Jesus' scars. In the Bible, it talks about the wounds of Jesus in uh, Matthew 20. After he was risen, he appeared in the upper room to his disciples. They saw the scars from his wounds. And when Thomas, who wasn't there at first, showed up, questioning whether or not he was actually the Messiah, Jesus made a point to show him his scars. So he would know that he was the one who died on the cross. And yes, he had died. He had been put in the tomb and he had risen again. So now just think about this for a moment, moment though. Jesus, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Son of God. He was wonderful counselor, Rose of Sharon, healer, crucified. He died. He was buried. He rose again. 
He's the perfecter of our faith, sinless lamb of God who took away our sins. Why did he have wounds? Why did he have scars? Okay, yes, because he was crucified. But think about it a little bit deeper than that. He's perfect. He was raised from the dead. His body was dead and brought back to life. And we're told in his word that we will be seated with him in heaven on earth. We will be given new bodies, blameless, sinless, renewed. So why does Jesus have scars? Isn't he able to heal those wounds so no scars show? Of course he is. Well, he's not a plastic surgeon, but he's still Jesus. Now think about it. The Lord of all, powerful, majesty. He made the lame walk. He made the mute talk and the deaf hear. And he didn't get rid of his own scars before he appeared to his disciples again. In my heart and my mind, as I was lamenting, covered up in my recent hurts, remembering all the scars of rejection and pain of the past, a small thought hit me. How can I use this to tell someone else about how Jesus has helped me? What is the purpose in this pain? Jesus didn't inflict it, but he can perfect a message through it. And that's the answer. That was the answer. I asked the question before. Why does Jesus even allow us to remember the hurts and pains associated with these scars? It's the same reason Jesus didn't erase his own scars. Because they are a very visible, tangible, cognitive, relatable reminder of who Jesus is. Just like Thomas, who doubted he was seeing Jesus, by the way. Doubting Thomas. We sometimes need visible, real, down-to-earth reminders of where we've been and what Jesus has brought us through. We need reminders via those scars, be they physical, mental, or emotional, that if we came through that, whatever that is, we can go through anything. If the Lord got us through before, he can do it again. And other people need very real, tangible, visible, heart-wrenching reminders that if someone else can go through that, they can too. If Jesus will help others, then maybe, just maybe, he can help me too. Jesus had to know that the disciples wouldn't be able to trust even their own eyes if some man that just looked like Jesus stood before them, even if he walked through a wall to get there. He knew that in our humanness, that sometimes, like it or not, we want proof or some sort of a sign that he's with us. The disciples needed to know that this really was Jesus. And the only way to do that was for Jesus to show them his scars. And seeing his scars, it renewed their faith. It ignited their passion. It awed them. It wowed them. It comforted them, I'm sure. What happens when we reveal our own scars to other people? Well, if they're physical scars and someone has a weak stomach, it could be very difficult. But even if we have a physical scar and we show someone how we healed, if they're getting ready to go through the same thing, it might give them hope. But what about our scars inside and out that can be a witness to someone else? You don't have to have been through something horrific or be, you know, mortally wounded or dreadfully wounded and have scars to be a witness of who Jesus Christ is in the world. But we do live in a world filled with hurting, hiding people who are deaf to many of the messages being spoken where visible scars speak loudly. So when you've gone through something, almost anything, and relied on God to get you through, your life scars are a testament to the love, the strength, and the faithfulness of Jesus. Remember, the word scar is defined as 
a lasting moral or emotional injury or a mark remaining after tissue is healed. You are healed, but the marks remain. Jesus was healed. He was risen, but he chose not only to have the wounds, but to show his scars. I'd like to encourage you to show your scars. It's not easy. It can be extremely difficult to bear your soul and to peel back the layers of covering you've worked to to put over them. But when you do, not only do you expose them to the light, you let them speak to who God is in your life and who you've become because of them. Scars are a testament to the strength inside you and to the truth that we all fall. We all become victims in one way or another, of something or someone at some point too, but we heal. There is purpose in the pain and a very real message written in your scars. I really appreciate you listening and tuning in today uh, to this podcast. I'll leave you with one more quote, um, which is one of my favorites. Um, Before I do that, I just want to say, if you want to um, hop on out to Instagram and follow me, just search for One Woman Inspired. That's the number one, followed by Woman Inspired. And um, if you would share this podcast, that would be great. I appreciate you liking it. And um, again, I thank you for tuning in. Okay, so here's here's another one of my absolute favorite quotes. You ready? It's by Miguel de Cervantes. One man scorned and covered with scars still strove with his last ounce of courage to reach the unreachable stars. And the world will be better for this.